We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, August the 27th, 2020. On today's show, part two of my game-by-game predictions. As I wrap up my predictions for South Carolina's 2020 football season, I'll go through each and every single game in the second half of the season, give my thoughts, and reflect on the season as a whole, why I think South Carolina will finish that way and what it will mean for Gamecocks football moving forward. Also, tons of news and notes to get into, your listener questions, voicemails, and also, Fantastic conversation, someone that I feel blessed to call a friend and one of the best in the business at what he does. Chris Marler of Saturday Down South joins the show. Phenomenal convo, guys. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, it's summertime. We're about to be in fall. We're about to be in football season. And at MyBookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season, baby. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. At MyBookie, Winning season is all about your chance to win big. Guys, you can bet anything. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, college football, NFL, whatever it may be. The craziest sports summer and fall of your lifetime is here. Guys, it's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Guys, The listeners of this show are smart. You guys know what you're doing. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, that's promo code GAMECOCKS at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag, use promo code GAMECOCKS, and you get to double your first deposit. Guys, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. So what that means is you go to mybookie.ag, you put in promo code GAMECOCKS, whatever you put in up to $1,000, they're going to match that. You put in five hundred, they're going to give you five hundred in free play. You put in seven fifty, they're going to give you seven fifty. You put in a thousand, guess what? They're going to give you a thousand dollars in free play. It's literally free money to play with on the site. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet, guys. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. Let's get it.
the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Happy Thursday. Very, very exciting. Very excited for today's show. Very excited for a lot of reasons. Number one, guys, do you realize we are less than a month from kickoff? We are 30 days away from kickoff. Do you also realize there is a college football game on TV this weekend? Granted, it's not SEC. I think it's Austin, PA, and God, I can't even remember the other team. But who cares? It's football. It's college football on the television this weekend, Saturday night. I'm very excited for that, guys. And also, I'm excited because we are wrapping up the game-by-game predictions. I'm wrapping up my game-by-game predictions, giving you guys my thoughts on the second half of the season and the season as a whole. You guys are going to know my season predictions as a whole after this show. Pumped to get into it, guys. It's always a blessing and pleasure to talk to you guys. Before we get into everything, a couple different housekeeping items. First off, if you have not done so, we're, we're about to hit 300 reviews on iTunes, guys. If you haven't done so, take five seconds, leave five stars, leave your thoughts, your feedback, whatever it may be. If you love something, you hate something, there's things you want to see more of, less of, whatever, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, does not matter the platform. Take five seconds, Go leave five stars. Go leave your thoughts, your feedback. It helps boost up the podcast for those that maybe have never heard of it. They can find it. Also, if you're listening and you're not subscribed, not sure what you're doing, hammer that subscribe button, guys. You're going to want to have the notifications of when the podcast drops because, like I've said before, when the season gets here, when we kick off game week, which is only, hey, is only, what, 23 days away, basically three weeks away. I'm going back to daily podcasts, Monday through Friday. So you're going to want to get the daily notifications when the podcast drops. So again, rate, subscribe if you've already done so. Thank you so much, and I appreciate that. Also, if you haven't been following along, NCAA 14 season simulation still going. South Carolina, at the time I'm recording this, sitting right now at 3-3 three and three overall. They've been a lot of fun. If you haven't tuned in, doing them every single night, 7 o'clock on Twitter and Periscope, check those out. Also, speaking of the simulation, just wanted to let you guys know, Friday, there will be no Rowdy Rooster Radio and there will be no simulation. I'm going out of town for the weekend with a couple of friends, so there will be no simulation. There will be no Rowdy Rooster Radio content. All the other content will go on a schedule, but no Rowdy Rooster Radio, no season simulation. So I want to let you guys know. Okay, let's dive into it. Let's get after it. Since I know I'm such a popular guy after my first half predictions when I pick South Carolina to go one and four, and of course... Gamecock Nation reacted positively as I thought they would, but I want to break this down. South Carolina now going into the second half of its season. How will the Gamecocks fare? Can they turn around the second half? Some big-time opportunities with Texas A&M. You can snap the streak. Georgia, can you get another big upset at Kentucky? Can you extend your streak to two wins in a row? Let's go ahead and dive into it. Against Texas A&M, we'll start. Coming out of the bye week, Gamecocks taking on the Texas A&M Aggies. And listen, we all know the background behind this game. And we know why South Carolina fans, myself included, want this game so bad. The Gamecocks have been so close, it seems like. You take out last year, obviously, because that was a blowout. But this game is always close. Every single year, comes down to tooth and nail. I mean, South Carolina fans, you could certainly argue the Gamecocks should have won at least one of these matchups since the two teams started playing in 2014. South Carolina has never beaten Texas A&M in the history of its program. You've lost six in a row. And, you know, guys, I feel like this is one of those losing streaks. Obviously, again, it's not nearly as bad as what the Kentucky streak was, right? There's a much difference in the way the programs are viewed and just the programs as a whole when you look at Kentucky and then Texas A&M. 
Texas A&M, a very highly regarded team. You're going to hear Chris Marler talk about in the interview later what his thoughts on Texas A&M are. They're catching a lot of hype this preseason. I think justifiably so. Listen, they have Kellen Mond, who's the most veteran quarterback in the SEC. They return a ton of talent. They've recruited at a high level. You have Jimbo Fisher. So they're going to be a good football team. Again, this is one, though, I think the thorn that is stuck in Gamecock fans and really this program side. It's tough for me to feel like as a program you're really making progress when you have losing streaks of four, five, six against certain teams. Um, so you need to snap this streak. There's no question. Listen, A&M coming to Williams-Brice, I think last year was an anomaly. I think this will be a very, very close competitive game. I think South Carolina, you're going to see their offense start to click a little bit more because, again, one of my big things I talked about in the first half, I think there's going to be an adjustment offensively. I think you're going to need a few weeks to find out who are our playmakers. Heck, who's our quarterback? But who are our playmakers that we can depend on offensively? I think you start to see South Carolina click a little bit here, but I don't think it's enough. I think Texas A&M comes into Williams-Brice. Listen, they have too much talent. You have a veteran quarterback, and honestly, man, in college football, if you have the best quarterback, there's a good chance you're going to win. I think they'll have the better quarterback on that day. I've got Texas A&M beating South Carolina at Williams-Brice 24-21. to Again, I think it's a really competitive game, really close game. Would not surprise me at all to see South Carolina win this one. Would not surprise me at all to see the Gamecocks pull the upset in this one. But right now, I think Texas A&M is too talented, too good. They have the veteran quarterback. I like Jimbo Fisher as a head coach, especially against Will Muschamp. So give me Texas A&M 24-21, which would drop South Carolina to 1-5 and now. 1-5 and on the season. And like I said before, I put up a social media graphic about it, and I said on the show on Monday, to have a successful year, in my opinion, I think the minimum expectation should be five wins or more, a 500 or better record. You're now sitting at one and five, and the best case scenario for your season is five and five. So let's move into the next game at Ole Miss. Gamecocks are obviously going to be in a position now, if you're one and five, you're going to need a major bounce back. You're going to need a major bounce back. Lane Kiffin taking over in Oxford his first season with the Ole Miss Rebels. Listen, I think South Carolina at this point again, I really do believe we're going to see the best game South Carolina has played offensively to this point. I think you're going to start to see the emergence of offensive playmakers. And I think South Carolina just gets a much, much needed W. I think it gets a much needed W. I got South Carolina beating Ole Miss 31-20 to in Oxford. Um, like I said, I, I think – Lane Kiffin, I expect him to do some nice things in year one. I definitely think there are some reasons for Ole Miss to be positive. Um, I think at quarterback, I think they have some offensive talent. I think you'll see them offensively play pretty well at times. Because, listen, again, Lane Kiffin, say whatever you want about the guy. I mean, he, he's not, he certainly hasn't made a lot of friends over his coaching tenure. But he does know offense. I mean, given that. But I think the Gamecocks, again, I think it'll start clicking offensively. And I got them scoring 31 points in this game. And I think they do get the win in Oxford a much, much, much needed win to get to two and five. I've got South Carolina winning this one 31 to 20 over the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, moving into the next week against Missouri. Now, I've talked about this Missouri game a little bit, and really both of these, the Ole Miss game and the Missouri game. One of the things I liked about the old schedule so much more than this new schedule 
is I really thought it gave you the opportunity to build momentum early. I really did. I thought it gave you that opportunity to build momentum early. You know, with opening with Coastal, ECU week two, and then Missouri, a team with a brand new head coach week three. Now you get the Missouri Tigers late in the season, who, if you guys forgot, their head coach is Eli Drinkwitz, who beats you with App State's talent last year. So what is he going to do with Missouri's, right? With that being said, you get Missouri at home. I do think there will be a transition period for Mizzou. They have tons of question marks all over the field. And I am going to lean with South Carolina, and you guys might be surprised the score because I don't think it'll be very close. I've got the Gamecocks getting the win against Mizzou 35-17. to Very similar to the Ole Miss score. I, listen, I think South Carolina, again, Mizzou is one of these games you've got to have. You've got to have. You, you absolutely have to have it. You, you should be favored in this football game, depending, I guess, on what Mizzou does. But no question, you look at the rosters right now, I think South Carolina has a much better roster than Missouri. So I've got the Gamecocks getting a big win in Missouri. I've got 35-17 to 17 again at home. I think things are really, really starting to click offensively for South Carolina. And I've got them getting the win 35-17, to 17, which, again, will put you at 3-5. and five. It'll put you at three and five with two games remaining. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, you run into a buzzsaw the next week. You run into a buzzsaw the next week in the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia coming to your house. We all know the history of the South Carolina-Georgia game. It's always a close game. It's always a battle. These two teams are extremely familiar with one another which, again, I think is a reason for a lot of these close matchups. You know, South Carolina has a lot of Georgia players on their roster, and Georgia seems to always have a fair number of South Carolina guys on their roster. So, you know, you got the huge upset win last year. Biggest upset in program history, in my opinion. One of the biggest wins in recent memory, beating Georgia. So the big question remains, can you do it again? Can you do it again? Can you take down the Bulldogs for a second year in a row. Again, you get him at Williams-Brice. You get him late in the season. So, again, you feel like, you know, like I said, I think your offense at this point is progressing along nicely. But my short answer is no. Listen, the win over Georgia last year was awesome. It was great. Going between the hedges, getting that W. I mean, it was, it was a magical day. I mean, anybody that was watching, that was a magical day. That, that's one of those moments we, none of us will ever forget. But I think, listen, second to last week of the season, Georgia, similar kind of like I said about Florida, Georgia's going to be on a mission. Georgia's going to be on a mission. Yes, they're breaking in a new offense. Yes, they're breaking in a new quarterback. But I think by this point in the season, they've got all that worked out. They have two fantastic options to choose from in Jamie Newman and JT Daniels. Georgia will have one of the best, if not the best defense in the country this year. And listen, you know, not taking anything away, of course, but what happened last year against Georgia, you know, you get a pick six from Israel McCormick. Israel McCormick has three interceptions in one game. You can't really depend on a Herculean effort like that again from one individual player for USC. So listen, I think Georgia's going to have revenge on their minds. They're not going to be looking past this one. I think you caught them in a very interesting place in the schedule last year. You know, noon kickoff between the hedges. Middle of the season, did you catch them napping a little bit? Who knows? I don't think that'll happen again. 
Second to last game of the season. Georgia knows they have to win that game because I think it's going to be a neck-and-neck race with Georgia and Florida. I've got the dogs getting the win in Columbia. Give me Georgia 27-10. to 10. Listen, I just think that – I really just think that Georgia defense is going to be suffocating. I'm a believer in Georgia's defense. I think they're one of the best in the country. So give me Georgia to get their revenge, come into Williams-Brice, get the W 27-10, to 10, which would drop South Carolina to 3-6. and six. Heading into the matchup at Kentucky in Lexington. Listen, I, I know a lot of people are not don't understand, I guess, the preseason hype that Kentucky's getting. The little bit, I'll say the little bit of preseason hype. I don't think it's anything drastic or anything, but by some publications, they've been ranked as a preseason top 25 team. If if the media picks would have came out Kentucky would have been picked to finish ahead of South Carolina there's no doubt in my mind um you know they've been getting a little bit of hype here and there you know just speaking on the cats you return Terry Wilson who listen I don't think is a fantastic quarterback but a veteran guy has beaten South Carolina Kentucky has recruited and developed I should say really well in the line of scrimmage they'll have one of the better offensive and defensive line units in the SEC And my big thing with this game, again, I've said this before. I've said it all offseason. You take a look at South Carolina's history playing in Lexington. The Gamecocks have never, never, ever, ever fared well in Lexington. I mean, even when they were really good, even when South Carolina was beating Kentucky every single year, the Gamecocks have not fared well in Lexington. You know, South Carolina snaps the streak last year. You had lost five in a row to them. Thank God you get that monkey off your back. But I think this South Carolina team limping into this game at three and six, I've got to go with Kentucky. I've got to go with Kentucky on the road in Lexington. It's been a house of horrors for South Carolina. I think it's an extremely close game. I think it's a very winnable game. I think it's a coin flip type of game. But I've got Kentucky getting the win 21-20, to final score. I, I just... You know, South Carolina, the last time the Gamecocks won in Lexington was 2012. That's how long ago it was. You think South Carolina lost in 14, 16, 18, 2010. South Carolina's lost, what, four of its last five in Lexington. So I don't know what it is. I don't know why this is such a difficult place to play for South Carolina. And again, some of you guys might hate me for this pick. That's totally fine. But you ask anybody right now, you go look at an early line in Vegas. If we were able to get a line in Vegas, Kentucky is undoubtedly the favorite. No question. And you're going to hear this conversation later with, with Chris Marler of Saturday Down South. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think undoubtedly, and again, this is not a popular opinion, but undoubtedly Mark Stoops is a better football coach than Will Muschamp. He is. So, in this type of environment, this type of swing game, I got to side with the Cats. I got Kentucky getting the win 21-20, to which would put South Carolina 2-3 and in the second half of their season, and more importantly, 3-7 and overall. 3-7 and overall. And again, I know that I will probably get a lot of heat. I'll get a lot of people coming at me for these predictions. A lot of people that aren't going to be happy with these predictions. But, but let me give you guys my thoughts on just the season as a whole, that 3-7 and record. 
like I said on the on Monday's show, and like I've said all offseason, five wins or more is the minimum expectation for me for, for, for this 2020 season. I think that should be the minimum expectation, 500 or better. There's enough talent on this roster to win five or more games. I, I, I have no doubts in my mind. South Carolina has been rec- recruiting at a top 20 clip the past five, six years. You can't tell me there's not enough talent <clears throat> to go 500 or better. This season to me, and, and I kind of mentioned it on, last, on a Monday show, this season to me is all going to come down to Mike Bobo and that offense. Like I said, I think things will start to click a little bit later in the year. But it's all going to come down to that Mike Bobo offense. Listen, again, I think there's a path to five wins. I think there's a path to six wins. I really do. I really see it. Listen, Kentucky's a swing game you could easily win. I think Texas A&M's a swing game you could win. I already talked about I think Auburn. I think that's more of a swing game than people give it credit for. Tennessee is certainly a swing game you can win. That's four games right there. That's the difference between three and seven and seven and three. Heck, if you split those, you're at five and five. So I think the path is there. But I've said this before, and be fair or not, this is my thought process on my predictions for this season. I got burned last year picking South Carolina to go seven and five. I got burned. So my thought process on this, I think they're, and you're going to hear this again in the conversation with Chris Marler. My thought process on this, listen, I think there's enough talent to win five or, five or more games. But I do not trust Will Muschamp to get the job done. I, I just don't. I don't have that trust anymore. I do not trust Will Muschamp to get the do- job done. I don't trust and believe in Will Muschamp in winning these important swing games. I don't. So I'd rather be on the wrong side of things when the Gamecocks win, when they overachieve versus underachieve, right? I'd rather be on the wrong side in that regard. So listen, I've got South Carolina three and seven. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Again, I know this will not be popular. I'm not going to make any friends with these predictions. No doubt. But this is my honestly just unbiased look on this team and what this team has going for it right now. Again, I think the path to five or six wins is, is certainly there. It's there. But the other thing I'll say to that, too, is this. We're talking about a team that won four games last year when it had four non-conference games on the schedule. So how can you expect me to pick a team to win four games or more when it has ten conference games on the schedule? So, like I said, unpopular. I'd love to hear what you guys' thoughts are, though, predictions. And I, I, listen, I'd love to hear this, too, because I've had some people on social media, tons of them, actually, you know, that, that give their thought. And I love it. I love the banter. I love the opinions. I love hearing what people think is going to happen. Um, but when you do that, give some context and give me a record. What do you think and why? I think, again, if your offense clicks, it all comes down to Mike Bobo in that offense. The performance of the quarterbacks. Finding offensive playmakers. If that happens, certainly. I, I think certainly 5-5 five and five is no doubt in the cards. 6-4 and four is in the cards, personally, I think. But we need to see it. I'm in show-me mode. I'm in show-me mode right now. I am in show-me mode. 
And I know a lot of people are asking, you know, you're going to ask, does three and seven get Will Muschamp fired? I, I'm not sure three and seven is enough. I really think you'll have to go two and eight or worse to, to really get some traction. I could be wrong, but like I said on Monday's show, I've pretty much just accepted that he's going to be back next year. I, I think the pandemic is going to give him a mulligan. And li- listen, on, on one side of the coin, sure, these coaches deserve a mulligan because they're dealing with things that are unprecedented. I mean, who knows? By the way, let's just put the, point this out. Let's just point this out. Who knows with these predictions? Because, hey, South Carolina could play Georgia, and the week of, Georgia's quarterbacks are both out with coronavirus. So, like, who knows how these results could be different? They could be drastically different on outside factors that we're not even thinking about. But getting back to what I was saying, on one side of the coin, you say, you know what? These coaches should get a mulligan. They're unpre- these, these are unprecedented circumstances. You know, give them, give them the mulligan, for sure. But on the other hand, there has to be some sort of sense of accountability still. There has to be. So, listen, if South Carolina goes three and seven, do I think they should move a different direction? Absolutely, I do. I think if they go worse than five and five, there's a real case for it. There's a real case for it. But I don't think it'll happen. So, again, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Call me an idiot. Call me whatever you want to call me. Three and seven overall is what I got South Carolina. I think the ceiling is much higher than that. I really do. And, and I feel – I tell you what, I, to be honest with you guys, because I know a lot of you out there, you think I hate South Carolina and I want to see them lose. It pains me to pick this team to go three and seven. This team is so much better than three and seven. It feels like an insult. It really does. It feels like an insult. But as of right now, with, again, everything I've mentioned, offensively, your head coach, show me. Show me. Go out there and win these toss-up games. Go out there, win the games you're supposed to win, and, and steal two or three. And we're going to be right where we want to be. But after last season, I'm very, very, very hesitant to pick this South Carolina team to do that. So, three and a half. I said Vegas was right on the number. I thought they got the number perfectly. And I've got South Carolina finishing with three. I think they nailed that number. So, again, three and seven overall. Again, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts, what you think. Again, do you think I'm an idiot? Do you agree? Whatever. Let's talk about it. Let's embrace debate. Would love to do it. Again, I've got three and seven overall, two and three to finish out the season. Let's move in these news and notes really quickly, and then we will get into your listener questions. We've got a voicemail as well, so let's dive into this. A um, couple just a quick tidbits. Nothing really – nothing major, I guess, happening this week. South Carolina updated SEC title odds plus 12,500 via bet online. So, guys, if you have uh, – any spare cash laying around and you think the Gamecocks are going to shock the world when the SEC, hey, $100 bet wins you twelve grand. I mean, that, that ain't, that's not a bad return right there. Heck, I, I might even throw 50 on it because why not? <laughs> why not, right? Um, one other thing really quickly, South Carolina basketball. Frank Martin and the boys picking up a commitment from Carlos Williams. I, I'm, I, maybe it's Carlos, but it's C-A-R-L-O-U-S. 
So I'm going to say Carlos Williams uh, picking up a commit. So good job by Frank Martin, the boys on the recruiting trail. All right, let's dive into our listener questions. We will start with our voicemail. Hey, Chris. Um, I'm not going to get too much into it about, you know, the Marshawn or the Gunner. I mean, that's, that's my Gamecock gold right now. That's all anybody's talking about. But with this season, with Marshawn being out, you know, with this Frankenstein-style offense, with who's going to be the quarterback, is it going to be the new guy and Colin, uh, what's Luke going to be, you know, this whole new offensive scheme, like, is the missing piece using, A, Colin Hill as your quarterback, a guy who knows the offense, like you mentioned, and also Adam, you know, the fullback from Colorado State, who knows it just as much as Colin does, or do you know you go with your tight ends, and, you know, trust in them because you clearly don't have a known two, number two wide receiver. You know, who do you, who do you go to? Do you, do you go with the slants, with the tight ends? Do you go with the, with the pulls and, you know, like having them the lead blocker and just, like, get down and dirty with the run game? I mean, what, honestly, do you do? And, you know, we've got a guy that's got a $13 million buyout who just seems to not finish what he starts or even, honest to God, sometimes can't even start it, uh, like, out of state. Um, you know, just what, honest to God, could we really do other than, you know, just, just get down and dirty, play some SEC football, and just run it down their throats? I know, like, back in the day, we used to, like, with Marshawn getting hurt midseason or, you know, Spurrier just forgetting how to coach football halfway through. You know, we usually get disappointment midseason or towards the end when we're losing the Citadel. But instead, you know, this year we kind of just get – a slap in the face right at the beginning with Marshawn. Um, you know, it's just kind of a lot of missing pieces. Uh, Frankenstein offense, like I said, what do you do? Also, go Cox, baby. I appreciate the voicemail, man. That that I just want to say, that is the sound of a man who has been beaten down by South Carolina football over his lifetime. I mean, that that is someone who has been beaten down by this, by South Carolina football, no doubt. That's what that sounded like. No, seriously, though, appreciate the voicemail. Um, listen, all your points are valid for the offensive side, and you're just kind of reinforcing what I said before. Let me say one thing, too, though. I am excited. There, there's certainly a part of me that is excited, you know, because there's a sense of intrigue. Like, we don't really know. It's all guesswork, I guess. Now, there are certainly context clues that help us about what Mike Bobo's offense is going to look like. Um. You know, we've heard different things from Adam Prentice. You know, we've heard Mike Bobo speak a few times. Like, I, I think there's enough there to kind of pull what this offense is going to be about. But, listen, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm excited to see what's in store, you know, see what they come up with, how they utilize the talent that is currently on the offensive side. Because, listen, I think there's still talent on the offensive side, certainly. So that there is a certain level of intrigue for me. You know, what do they do? But no, listen, you make a good, good point. You make a really good point because you're going to have to get a little creative to have offensive success. You know, I, you, know you mentioned, you know, South kind of running the ball down team's throat. I, I mean, dude, I really think this is going to be a team built to win slugfest type of games. 20 to 17. 23 to 20, 24, 21. Like, I think that's the type of team you're building. I, I think that's what this team, probably their identity is going to be. 
And listen, you've got a great defense. So, I mean, if you can make that work, by all means, make it work. You know, if I'd almost rather see that. Like, I think South Carolina could go 5-5 five and five with that type of team. Hey, we're going to be a team that, you know, we're going to stick to our game plan. We're going to run the football. We are going to establish the run, but we're going to be very disciplined. We're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not going to turn the football over. We're not going to put our defense in bad positions. Because, listen, we know we have a good defense. Our defense is going to keep us in every single game we play. But, yeah, I think using the tight ends. Listen, you have some guys at tight end for sure. Nick Muse being the the lead guy, I would say. I'm excited for Nick Muse and him returning. Um, Listen, I, I think Shai Smith can have a good year. We've been hearing a lot about Rico Powers. Maybe he breaks out at wide receiver. Certainly, like you mentioned, it's, it's a fact. There is no true number two wide out right now. No true number two guy. So, I mean, listen, you're just sort of, you know, our caller there sort of just reinforcing what I said about this year and this team, which is that it's all going to come down to offensively. Because I'm a believer in this defense. I really am. I, I think this defense is going to be a top half of the SEC defense at minimum. I think it is. I think it's going to be a top half of the SEC defense at minimum. So, yeah, it's it's all going to come down to offensively. Can the offense do enough? And again, what is their actual identity going to be? I'll be very curious to see. Who's behind center? Be very curious to see. Personally, I don't have a preference. I just want to win games. I, I really don't care. You want to go with Hill, who knows the playbook more? Fine with me. You want to go with Holinsky, who has the SEC experience and is fully healthy now? Totally fine with me. I think we can win with both. I really do. I think that we can win with both. But it is all going to come down to the offense. No doubt in my mind. Let's move to your questions. Just a few here. Uh, Dylan McLaren, too. Will you be more supportive of Muschamp if he continues to recruit at a high level? I'm so glad you asked a question like this because, listen, I'm not not supportive of Will Muschamp. I support Will Muschamp 110%. I'm just – what what was this again? Dylan McLaren, too. Dylan McLaren, too. I'm just the only person that will hold him accountable. There's no other South Carolina outlet that's going to be willing to say what I'm saying. I'm I'm a hundred dude. That's the other thing. I don't I don't care who the coach is. I want to win games. I want to win games. I don't care who our head coach is. I really don't. So I support Will Muschamp 110%. I mean, listen, I think the program, the standing of the program, I think is good. I, I like the standing, overall standing of the program. I really do. I really do. But you got to win more games. That's it. You got to win more games because at the end of the day, that's what you make over $4 million a year to do. You know, I mean, I've talked about before the graduation numbers and people not getting in trouble and that's all fine and dandy and that's great. And that's things we all want and strive for in the program, but that's fluff at the end of the day, man, you get paid to win. You get paid to win. So, Listen, I love what Muschamp is doing on the recruiting trail. I do. I mean, South Carolina has never had this many five-stars commit, it feels like. At least it feels like. I could be wrong. 
But I don't think the Gamecocks recruiting-wise have ever had this many five stars committing. I don't. I don't feel I, – I don't think so. Or at least it's the same or very, very similar as when Spurrier was here. But I'm 110% supportive of Will Muschamp. But I'm also going to hold him accountable and be critical. You get paid a lot of money to coach football. And you have the talent and you have the facilities and you have the fans. There's no excuse. There's no excuse to not win. And again, for this season, I feel like there's no excuse not to get to 500 or better. It's just my opinion. So, Krusty Andy, will Muschamp and Kirby Smart, oh, will Muschamp and Kirby Smart get into a fist fight? Who wins and why? Mm, give me Muschamp. I think overall, just he's a scrappy dude. Give me Muschamp. Um, Scott W. Lawson, odds they end up trying Jordan Birch out at running back. I think zero. Maybe 1%. Maybe there's some jumbo package like uh, Clemson did with Christian Wilkins. But, no, nah, South Carolina's never really been all that all that uh, for using defensive guys on offense. So, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. Uh, everything underscore college underscore football underscore. What's your minimum amount of wins to keep Muschamp? I think it should be five. To show real progress in the program? To show you're headed on the right track, I think it should be five. Will it be, though? I've already talked about that. But I think it should be five. To feel, Let me put it this way. Keep Muschamp, a.k.a. show progress and feel good about where this program is going. you got to win at least five games to me. CP3 underscore presents underscore. Besides Shy Smith, who do you think will be that second guy? And if we go 0-10, does Muschamp return? Wide receiver two, I think Xavier Leggett's a guy I've talked about a lot this offseason. I think he's he's due for a breakout year. Uh, Rico Powers, possibly. Maybe Jalen Brooks, the Wingate transfer. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I'd love to say Josh Van or Ortre Smith, but I, I just feel like at this point they, they've just – they're complete non-factors, it feels like. I mean, we've heard nothing about them through camp. And listen, I, it's just camp, and they're not going to give you a lot as it is, but – you know, we've heard Jalen Brooks through camp. We've heard, um, you know, we've heard Rico Powers' name a lot. You know, we've heard Xavier Leggett a little bit here and there, and obviously we know what he did as a freshman last year. So, I think probably one of those guys is your second option. Keller Wofford, my opinion, four and six is best possible scenario. See, I disagree. I don't think it's the best-case scenario. Um, I don't think it's best-case at all. Like I said, I think there's a path to five or six wins. I really do. I think there's a path to five or six wins. You're going to have to win some of those swing games, but it's there. It's possible. And I think, again, call me crazy. I think you have the offensive talent to get it – or, excuse me, you have the talent as a whole to get it done. Will they do it? That's the big question. So, appreciate the questions, guys. Appreciate the voicemails. Always appreciate you guys interacting with the show. Let's move into our interview. Chris Marler of Saturday Down South, guys. Just a phenomenal dude. I mean, we, have, we had a great conversation about literally everything, not just South Carolina football. We talked SEC football, his path in sports media, um, the pandemic obviously going on, a ton of other things as well. Um, Chris Marler, again, I just want to give a shout-out. Awesome dude. They do a fantastic job over at Saturday Down South and, of course, his podcast as well, the Saturday Down South podcast. They do a phenomenal job. So, guys, sit back, relax, enjoy. It's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. You didn't think SeatGeek went away, did you? As we get closer and closer to football, it's evident. Fans are going to be in the stands. Guys, you are going to need your tickets. 
You're going to need your tickets to these games. For sure. You're going to, because listen, the secondhand market, third parties, they're going to be more important than ever. With there being so few tickets available, you're going to want to make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. You want to make sure you're saving as much money as possible because I'm sure these things are going to be expensive. You're going to want all that taken care of. SeatGeek's the way to go. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, like I said, scalping's a thing of the past. Paper tickets are a thing of the past. It's all going to be done through your phone, through these apps. SeatGeek is the best one by far. They have a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting, guys. So, again, never again do you have to scalp. You don't have to deal with other people getting these tickets. And, again, they're doing all the work for you. They're going to show you exactly where you're sitting, what you're paying, are you overpaying, are you getting a steal. And like I said, especially now, especially now with tickets being so limited, you know people are going to try to charge for tickets through the roof, right? SeatGeek is going to help you literally find the best deal. They're going to help you save the most money. And with our promo code, I'm putting money back in your pocket, 20 bucks to be exact. I'm putting even more money back in your pocket. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to save $20 off your first purchase. Enjoy this conversation with Chris Marler of Saturday Down South. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show. Very excited. Someone I am blessed to call a friend for sure. He's a member of Saturday Down South, co-host of the Saturday Down South podcast. He is a comedian. He's a man that wears many hats, a noted professional graphic designer. He's been oh on ESPN God. before. Just someone that uh, you've probably heard of him. You've probably seen him. Vern Funquist, one of the best Twitter handles ever out there as well. Again, someone that I'm very happy to call a friend. Chris Marler joins the show. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, of course, man. If I would have known you were going to do that intro, I would have come on like every single day. That was, that was fantastic. <laughs> I appreciate that. Dude, I, I want to tell you, by the way, before, right before, about an hour ago, before I had you on, I was sitting there thinking, because again, you are a noted comedian. You're a stand-up comic. Like, you, yeah. you do it for real, for real. You're not just somebody right. that says you do it. But I'm not, was, I'm not an internet comedian or like a... Right, right, right. I'm not funny, man. I'll just say it. You're not Dane Cook, right? Pretty much. <laughs> but anyway, so you, you're a legit comic. But the thing I was thinking about like an hour before we came on, for some reason, this came to my head. I'm a big Disney guy. And, and I was thinking about Finding Nemo where they asked me, he's like, hey, you're a clownfish, right? Say something funny. Like, how often do people tell you, like, when they find out you're a comic, like, hey, man, tell me a joke. And you're like, what, what, what do you want me it's to do? Like, what do you want yeah. me to say? Yeah, so, like, I think that's like a, that cliche, I think, is so real for some comedians. And it's like, it's always people that, like, it's like your grandpa's Facebook group. That's, that's the kind of people that do that. And it's like, it's, it's never, no person that's ever said to me is a person I've ever wanted to have a conversation with. You just, like, can tell like flat out, like, like point blank, like at the beginning of the conversation, I'm like, well, I'm not going to get along with this person. Um, yeah, was, that's the worst. Cause I, just whatever I, 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 it happens. Like when I first started doing it, it's been like nine years and your family will start doing that, especially at like Christmas and stuff like that, which is like not bad in terms of not having to argue about politics and stuff like Thanksgiving, right. but like me telling my like crappy dirty jokes or whatever it would be is not the best like table talk. I'll just say it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you were talking about the uh, as far as the dirty jokes concerned. You obviously went on ESPN. I just want to get your your take on that because listen, I mean, and anybody in sports media, I mean, mine for sure. It's definitely my dream to go on ESPN at five thirty in the morning during a Korean baseball game. <laughs> just, I feel like that's got to be the pinnacle right there. But uh, no, seriously, it, it was awesome. You you posted the bit, and it was actually really really funny. 
Um, just talk about that experience, though. Again, I, I know talking to those guys, they do a great job. But uh, I'm sure that had to be pretty cool for you to get the uh, get the airtime on ESPN. Yeah, man, that was um, you know, like like you just said, anybody that like is doing this type of work or you know, kind of career and stuff like that, and um, I think guys like us that are uh, kind of self starters and, and and figured out a way to do it um, in place of doing more like mundane career work, you know, um, it's a dream. Actual, it's, actual hard work and manual yeah, labor. That's, that's what I wanted to say. Um, yeah, I think that was actually in the bit, yeah. but it's one of those things where, um, it's always been a dream of mine. And I, I was just very, very fortunate. I've been very fortunate with this job in general. Um, I, like I, I was a bartender for years and years and years. I, I ran, I literally met my boss and my fiance at that bar. Like doing this job that I hated, they both just randomly came in and it did like, you know, two things that obviously changed my life. Mm. But the stuff with um, SCS, I, I, we met Tom Hart, who's a, you know, broadcaster on there. Right. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> hilarious dude. And he, mm. him and I become friends because he lives in Atlanta. So he called me like a couple weeks ago. He's like, hey man, do you want to come on and do stand up uh, during like one of the Korean baseball broadcasts? And I was like, at like 5.30 in the morning? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure, Tom. And I thought he was kidding. Like a thousand percent right, hey, thought good, he was good joking joke, around. Man. Good joke. Yeah, so, <laughs> so then he like calls me back and was like, ah, sorry, I can't do it this week. You got bumped for Tim Kirchin. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so then the following week he, he followed up and I, I just kind of thought it would fall by the wayside and not happen. Um, and they brought me on. And so I did, I did, uh, I was on there for like 20 minutes and it was like a dream come true to be on ESPN, no matter what time of day it was. Um, and I did, I did like a two minute bit about just how I think baseball players in the twenties are, are trash besides maybe Babe Ruth. Um, and it was awesome. It was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Chris, I was going to say, obviously you're with Saturday down South again, co-host of the podcast. Just give some people, give people that maybe are unfamiliar with you again. I don't know how they would be, but cause we've shared your stuff. I'm sure all SEC fans get familiar with you, but just tell people about yourself a little bit. Obviously you kind of mentioned how you got your start with Saturday down South, but looking at your Twitter handle, you're the, engagement editor uh like, like i said you're a a, a a graphic design specialist i know you you love you love you love the feedback from the audience on your 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 professional graphics you post but no seriously oh my just, God. just let people know kind of your story like when you started with saturday on south kind of what you do now again you guys put out yeah. a fantastic product the social media handles are, are pages are awesome the podcast is awesome just give people kind of the rundown on what you guys do yeah man um so basically uh I started with SES in 2017. I had done um, on-camera work and just different stuff. And like I said, stand-up comedy for years and years. And uh, you'll have to, excuse me, I apologize. I'm sitting here for work. I'm having to play online poker uh, right now. So that's that's why there's a distraction. Um, no, so I I started in 2017. Um, I, like I said, I met my boss. He came in uh, to Houston's and like it was like the lamest, whitest thing imaginable. He was like, I, I heard him say Auburn and Tuscaloosa. And I was like, you guys talking football over here? And just like <laughs> hijacked the conversation, started talking to him. And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I have a blog. It's <laughs> like, what? Like, it was like the lamest thing ever. That guy. Uh, yeah, that guy. And so, and I and I'd, I'd started this blog on my own called Winning and Boozing. Uh, and it was on a, on a website called Red, White, and Bro. And um, so the Winning and Boozing thing I did, I've been doing it for years. And it's, it's like, honestly, it's like my baby. It's my favorite thing where – I did a preview every week and it's like all satire based and, and like pretty dirty, not dirty. It's just like not clear. Right, right, right. And so, um, and you know, break down the games and then also talk about what drinks you would have at each tailgate. And, and the whole thing was just like, you know, more comedic and everything like that. And, uh, and so I told him about it and he somehow, somehow saw it, liked it and was able to filter through all the F words and 
thought I would be a good fit. And so I just um, started part-time with him and doing some stuff, uh, you know, like going on different trips. Actually, when I first started, the first thing I ever did was they sent me to a different campus for the first three weeks of football mm. for three straight weeks. And I just went out with a camera crew and went to all the downtown, like the best spots downtown, the bars, all that kind of stuff, like restaurants. And then just took in a game weekend at, in like Athens, Tuscaloosa, and Gainesville. It was, it was probably, as much as I dream. love my job now, it was like the pinnacle of my work ever. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. So that is um, kind of transition now into this uh, engagement editor, which is, I, it's just a fancy title for, I just run, I, <laughs> I do social media stuff. Um, I make memes and I do this, uh, the, the podcast as well. And um, yeah, that's about it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a blast, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm not a graphic designer. Our graphic designer <laughs> moved on to big and better things with Fox uh, um, LA. And so now I'm having to do all the graphics. And if you guys missed it, I was the idiot a couple weeks ago that, that spelled Carolina oh, yeah. Carlona. <laughs> I spelled it wrong twice. I spelled it wrong twice somehow. I, I literally have a driver's license from that state. My family lives in Lexington. I don't know how I did that. What, what was it, the Tails, California, Heads, Carolona? Heads, <laughs> Car- oh, yeah, Carolona, yeah. Tails, California. Was, yeah. Oh, my God. I, love I got love that. for that one. Now, dude, what, what I love, though, and respect about what you guys do um, and just kind of hearing your story, I mean, I definitely think, you know, talking about your path, and I kind of relate to what I'm doing in the sense of what I love about what you guys do and the content you create is it's not – it's not like your traditional, boring, like mundane, you know, and it's no, dis- that's no disrespect to anybody who is a journalist or working for a local newspaper or whatever website right. you're working for. But I, I definitely think we've seen a shift in media where, you know, I think it's great. I think more people have an opportunity to, if you have a certain talent or you have a personality or you're good on camera, or you're good behind a microphone or you're good making graphics, or you're good, whatever. If you can get creative with it and kind of give it a personality. Like I think we're seeing that a lot more take over take over media, you know, I mean, yeah. people are, are using different channels to express that. And I think you guys, especially, I mean, like the memes you put out and stuff like that, it's just, it's really fun. It's creative. It's unique. And I think it engages the common fan, which is sort of the right. end goal behind what you do. Cause if you don't have their interest, what do you really have in the end? So I would yeah, say I kudos to you and what you guys do for sure. I appreciate that, man. I, I'll be honest. Like when I first started doing it, um, like I, not in an arrogant way or anything like that, but I, I, I know I'm funny and I know that like, I, I knew I could do the job. Cause I mean, like I said, it's just making memes, stuff like that and trying to make people laugh. But I tell you what, the SEC fan base is like being your demo audience is mm. sometimes tough. And also like, like I think when I first started a lot of the, um, like our audience was a little bit older. And mm. so and it, it's just funny. And you know, this as well as anybody jumping from like platform to platform, how you have to kind of like, change oh, yeah. what the message is or how it's, mm-hmm. how it's presented because something that goes well like on Instagram it's like a younger audience does not go well on Facebook or so it's always it's always funny to me because you'll see stuff and and like I always make it a point to say like I, I'm not a journalist like I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to win a Pulitzer I'm trying to make people laugh I'm trying to like you know have like a lighter side of things and it's always funny when you'll post something and you'll like you'll you'll go through it and they're just like oh this is great and then you see someone who's like this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life I'm like cool awesome thanks dad <laughs> People, people on social media cannot just see something they dislike and just scroll past it and not no. let it bother the day. It's impossible. It is impossible for that. I mean, what you're saying is funny though, because I, you know, not to make this about me, but I'll have people say like, you know, try to try to take some jab or whatever about like, oh, he's not a real media source or he's not like a real insider. I'm like, you realize I have two T-shirts that have media and insider in quotation marks. Like, <laughs> right. it's, it's a joke. I get it. Like, I, I don't want to. You're not like you're not trying to be anything. You're not. It's like when people yeah. ask me, like, I'm just me. Like, I'm just, I'm a content creator. That's the way you look. You're right. a content creator. That's what you do. 
I, and I think it's, it was interesting when I first started because I had a real tough time, honestly, until this past year, like kind of teeter-tottering back and forth with what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And, and a lot of it was like, you know, I, I get so obsessed with like wanting to be taken seriously because if I say <clears> something <throat> and people don't like it, it's like, well, obviously he's a comedian or he's a Bama fan. Right. Or he just, you know, he's a homer. And so I would really stress about like, okay, I need to know all the stats. I You're saying in the beginning, right? Yeah. Well, like yeah, up, yeah. up until like last year and I, and I right, had a talk right. with um, Chris Doring, who's uh, a, a guy I met, like, I guess like in my background story, I said I was bartending at Houston's. I, I was also bartending at the Omni right before I started working at, at SDS. And then like mm. um, also part-time when I was working with SDS. And so randomly uh, during March Madness, I, I ran into Chris Doring and I, and I recognized him. And uh, I think I can share this story. I was like, hey, are you Chris Doring? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, my name's Chris. I, you know, I work for SDS. And I was like very small at the company at that point. Mm. And, uh, and he was like, what do you do? I was like, I run the podcast. He goes, tell you what, um, I'll just be honest here right now. I had a couple drinks. I hate John Chris, and I, I'm never coming back on that podcast. And it was the guy that, like, I had replaced. And I was like, oh, because they had some, like, back and forth. Like, right, you know, they right. butted heads. They were, like, Florida and Florida State or whatever. And so I, I ended up hitting it off. It was funny because they – they had me in this little sidebar and they didn't give me a way to like collect money. Right. So I'm just handing out free drinks all night. So Doring thinks I'm like hooking him up the whole time <laughs> and we hit it off and he ended up being like super helpful in, in like getting my start and, and stuff like that and being available for interviews. But one of the things he told me was like, you have to like pick an identity almost like, you know, I really enjoy yeah. like having all of like the boxes checked and knowing all the stats and, and all that kind of stuff and, and, and feeling like I'm a credible source. But I tell you what, like, like you said earlier, I, I think there's a lot of people that like want to consume stuff from people they can relate to and not right. just somebody spouting out numbers. And right. I think he, he told me at the beginning of this year, he's like, you got to make a, 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 you know, pick, pick a side. Like you want to be like Pat Mac or do you want to be like, mm. you know, just another guy like, crunching numbers and stuff like that. And so, yeah, no, I think definitely, I think you've got to find your niche, find your lane and really just get after in that regard. I would say, like I said, getting back to your content creator, one of the best pieces of content you ever made, I man. I'm sure it did well. Was uh, when you called me a bearded tomato. That, 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 <laughs> I, if, if you didn't, if you didn't notice, I'm wearing the exact same tank top that I was wearing that day. It, I, I was thinking about this too earlier. I promise we're going to get into football in just a second. But yeah. I was thinking about this too earlier. That aren't you? Aren't you so glad that I like wasn't one of those people that takes oh everything just so seriously and like. I mean, because it could have been. It could have been the I other way. I thought you were going to beat the shit out of me. When, no, when it could have been the other way. Like, this dude's going to jump me. and Because like, we talked beforehand about meeting up at the Bama game. That's right. Oh, it was before that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, anyway. but yeah. If, if you don't know the story, basically, you're still saved in my phone as, as Bearded Tomato. <laughs> like, when I, when I talk about, like, you know, like, like talking about working on stuff or, or do, coming on radio with you or, or podcasts or working on memes and stuff, and I'll tell my fiance, and she's like, oh, is that Bearded Tomato? Like, and, I, and like, it's all out of love, too, but like, when... Uh... Last year, the first week of the season, obviously, when South Carolina had a tough loss. Lost to UNC, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you posted this video. So I was, I was doing this, this video series called you, like, College Football Uncensored where we'd go around the internet and find like, the funniest stuff from the weekend. And I, don't even, I think my boss sent me that video, and it was just you going, Firewall Muschamp, and you had this like, beet red sunburn. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, yeah, and then like, I, I think <clears throat> what you said like, actually goes a long way because people are so quick to get defensive online. And that could have easily spiraled out of control, but I'm, I'm glad it, it worked out well for us. Yeah, trust me, I, I still see it every now and then on social media of like, oh, is that lobster boy talk? Like, people that don't like me, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'll take the L. I honestly did not tan last summer at all. Worked on a golf course most of the time, did not tan last summer. I was pale. I, did, I underestimated. 
I thought I was we tougher than the sun. I thought I was tougher than <laughs> the sun, and indeed I was not. So, anyways, let, let's move into football. Obviously, that's yeah. why we brought you on, Marler. Um, let's move into college football. And I want to talk to you about, first, just the SEC as a whole. I, you know, how – you know, it's still early on, so I want to knock on wood when I say this, but how impressed have you been with the way that – you know, obviously all these uh, – all these different rules and all these different systems were set in place, if you will, to make sure that these, these student athletes are taken care of, they're going to stay healthy, you know, they're going to do all they can at least to keep them as healthy as possible. But yeah. I feel like the SEC has crushed it. I mean, again, knock on wood, I don't, there really haven't been hardly any cases, if any at all. Just talk about your thoughts on what the SEC has been doing and I guess really how happy and relieved you are because, I mean, yeah. we're all sitting here with our fingers crossed that you know, ev- you know, everything's going to go smoothly. We're going to get to September 26th. We're going to have kickoff. And we're going to be all good. I mean, how, how impressed, I guess, have you been and how relieved have you been that everything has gone up to plan up to this point at least? You know, I, I mean, really impressed. Really impressed. And, and I'm somebody that's been kind of critical of Greg Sankey mm-hmm. for stuff that's petty, like the, you know, the way he did the, the schedule reveal and, and not the full schedule reveal, but when they came out the two added teams and that news dump on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, I was that like, was what? ridiculous. I was not thrilled with that. <laughs> right. And at the time, you know, I remember kind of going in on him about how, the Pac-12 has a schedule already. The the Big Ten or yeah, the mm-hmm. Big Ten already has a schedule out. I think the ACC had already come out with theirs, and it kind of felt like the SEC was lagging behind. And and just me being a typical member of the media and overreacting to something before I had, you know, let it marinate. And and I you know I can admit that that's exactly what happened in this this case. Greg Sankey's done a phenomenal job, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's easy to say that I think as a fan or somebody that covers this league. Um, now, especially because you have something to compare it to with what we've seen the Big Ten and the Pac-12, especially. But, you know, this is something I, I kept saying to you, but like while it was happening, the Big Ten really thought that they were going to, in the same way, because I, I think not a lot of people know this, but the, all five of the Power Five conferences were working together in the offseason to have like a universal scheduling system to where they had like the same amount of games and it was kind of fair and all that kind of stuff. And the Big Ten went rogue and announced they're going to do conference-only schedule. And they, I think it kind of gave them this false bravado, and they thought that we're going to do something and everyone else is going to follow. They're going to, they're going to follow our lead for whatever reason. And they did the same thing with canceling the season. And it just it, it's, it's been such a horrible, horrible look for the conference. And not just because people want to see football. Like, you know, I, I obviously get, like, the safety part of it. And, and there's, you know, kids' health and all that kind of stuff. And all that's really important. But when you, when you see what Kevin Warren does, there's no communication. And he decides to cancel the season, like on the heels of a week before having this big mm-hmm. reveal of their schedule and then canceling the season. And of course their laptops, the PAC 12 does the same exact thing. And then you come to find out later in the week, they, they used what, whatever report they used was completely inaccurate. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a horrible and like, you know, it's, it's the worst possible like scenario that like that played out. And then you look at Greg Sankey just sitting back here and like, and they asked him like, you know, how come you, how did you avoid this? And he said, everything we've learned about COVID is a wait and see approach. Mm-hmm. We learn more and more every day about it. Why would you not just wait to see what happens? Well, especially when kickoffs not, you know, so it's so far out, you know, you still have time and, yeah, I, I definitely think taking the wait-and-see approach is a lot better. You know, let things unfold, let them mm-hmm. evolve. What, what I've thought has been so crazy with the Big Ten, because I, I agree with you, they look terrible. I mean, they're having students on campus, and they're having intramural sports. That they, can't have, they, they can't have college football. It, it just yeah. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Again, safety's first and everything, but I agree with you. I think the SEC has done a phenomenal job. We saw NC State, they pushed their opener back. I mean – you know, I feel like these conferences, ACC, SEC, and Big 12, listen, 
none of them have thought, and I thought Scott Frost said it best. I, I thought he had some of the best perspective on the entire pandemic. That's, he said, listen, if our goal is to have zero student athletes get COVID, we're going to fail at that whether we play or we don't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, you know, the student athletes, I, I know everybody loves to make the argument, oh, they should be paid. Oh, my God, they're getting exploited. For, and listen, there's an argument they should be paid. I, I'm not saying oh, that. But can you also acknowledge they are treated like kings? I mean, the the way they're taken care of versus the normal student with the facilities they're in, the people watching over them, the the medical staffs that are at their availability, right. you're, you're you're doing them a disservice taking them away from that necessarily. And I, I think I don't know. I, maybe you can enlighten me on this. I know for a while the Big Ten was still practicing, but they're not going to play. Like so, they that went on for like I think a couple of days at, at most. Right. Um, because I think there's still a, a general feeling that they're, they're going to reverse. They're going to change their minds, right? Yeah, and, and and again, like when you really unwrap everything that's happening with the Big Ten, when you find out that they talk about doing the spring football season, and 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 at the core of this whole argument of well, it's it's player safety, and and what really pissed me off, and and I I get fired up easily, especially with the Big Ten, because I've always thought that conference was a joke. It, it's, mm. I've I've always called it the Big Three since I was like eight years old. It's Penn State, <laughs> Michigan, Ohio State. Right. It's nothing else. I get that Wisconsin and, and Minnesota like dip their their big toe in like the deep end of like the big boy pool every now and then, right. but it's never anything that's like substantial. So when you hear that they're going to have this whole thing because of player safety, and they and they did take this very arrogant like looking down their nose at the sec of well, well we right. care about you know our our players and our student athletes and, and then you hear like the media that's associated with the big 10 saying like like i think um i can't remember her name and i, I love her to death she's a great follow on twitter but she posted elika uh Siddiqui. she's um she's used to be with fox and she posted something about how she would trust the the doctors uh you know and medical experts from the big 10 stanford and you know michigan all this other stuff and again, we find out that those numbers weren't real. And on top of that, you talk about player safety and you're going to have two seasons in a 10 month span. And then you're telling me that like, it just, it blows my mind. And, and yeah. the argument you brought up is, is, is a great one about, you know, for forever, we've talked about how college athletes and football players specifically, if you, if you go to a school, like, a, you know, especially if it's like, there's a big, it's a big football school. They always get preferential treatment, always get preferential treatment. And then all of a sudden we, this time that's just thrown out the window. And I, and I just, I've never understood that. I've never understood why that's been the case. Um, it, it makes no sense really. And I, I think it really, it boils down to basically the universities. If you're going to open campus for regular students, you're, you're opening yourself up for a lot of, of potential issues. Mm. And they did that because they wanted to collect tuition checks. Yeah, and as soon doubt. as that's done, they're going to send these kids home and make them, you know, do online virtual classes and all that kind of shit because they don't care about, like, and it's the same thing with the NCAA. It, I, I don't want to get on a high horse about this or a soapbox, but right, right. none of these people that are in power really, truly, in my opinion, care about the student athlete. Like, mm. Kevin Warren, his son It's a business. It's, it's a business it's at a the business. end of the day. It's a business. Right. And so, but don't tell me that you had the best interest in mind for these student athletes when you talk about this, like, we're going to have a spring, we're going to have a spring season, and you, you get all the 12 or all the 14 ADs from the Big Ten on, the, on a conference call and it's the first time that conversation's even been been had from any, from any level. Like, that makes absolutely no sense that, that that level of communication is so bad. Then you want to, like, sit here and hide behind this facade of, well, we care about our student-athletes. No, you don't. You, you care about the bottom line. You care about, like, you know, the almighty dollar. And, and as soon as those kids, like, as soon as they get those tuition checks they can't get reimbursed, they're, they are going to send everyone home, guaranteed. Yeah, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I've talked about that a bunch, too. It's just, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to – hurt anybody's feelings, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're looked at as a number. I mean, like you said, I think these schools, they realized, hey, 
we know the risks, but we need to we need to justify charging full tuition. So if we can bring them back, show face, hey, we tried. Oh well, this is your charging. fault. Right, right, exactly. Right. Those checks of cash, too bad. So you're going to take what you can get for sure. I, I want to move on the field, Mar. Let's get to it. You're you're a noted Alabama fan. You're you're an Alabama guy for sure. Let's let's start with the SEC West because I, I think this might get you going a little bit. I saw an article yesterday. You guys may have even posted it. Um, Texas a and is getting a lot of love right now. Yeah. A lot of love. And they're on South Carolina's schedule. Obviously, Gamecocks have lost six straight to them. But a and getting a lot of love. And this is kind of – I want your, your take on the entire SEC West race. Yeah. But Reese Davis has Texas a ranked fourth. In the- <laughs> and then, hey, and then I talked to your buddy Michael Bratton, SEC Mike. He's yeah. got Texas A&M winning the West. What's your overall take on the West as a whole? And then just, I mean, do you think, listen, I think A&M with Jimbo Fisher, I mean, they have the facilities, they have the talent. You know, it, maybe this is the year. They're, they're, maybe they're this year's LSU and it all comes together. But what's, what's your thoughts on the love they're getting this preseason? First off, I love Mike. He, he, he's, <laughs> he's, not, hey, he's not afraid of the bold take. I think he was, no. said, I think he was the one that said last year South Carolina was going to win 10 games. And I told him, I was like, hey, I love that optimism. Thank you for that. But, yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mike is like, it's always funny too. Cause like, again, like this is all coming from a place of love. Mike is one of my favorite people. He's a great follow. It's a guy that I honestly butted heads with when I first started because he's so sarcastic and yeah. like, and he's hilarious. He's, I mean, he's hilarious and he knows his shit. Like, like I honestly better than me and, and better than anyone else we work with at, at, at SDS. And so when we first started like, like having like back and forth, I was like, this guy is an a-hole and he's constantly saying these things that are so <laughs> outrageous and it gets under people's skin. Um, and, but he can back it up with, like, actual things a lot of times, like, with his knowledge of the game. So, that being said, Mike also said Bama's going to lose three or four games this year. I, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, I, I think he I, – I get a lot of flack because I'm, I'm a Bama homer or whatever. And, and, like, people are very quick to forget that I picked Clemson to beat Bama it, it, as early as October in 2018. Um, I, I think that – the stuff with like the hype with AM, I think is real. I think it was more real before the schedule change. And when you look at a 12 game schedule and, and Clemson's not on it and, and Georgia's not on it, especially two games on the road. Um, I, I loved AM in the top 10, especially I still do like them in the top 10. I, they returned 17 starters. Kellen Mond's in year three at Jimbo Fisher. I, I think it's, it's, it's for whatever reason, Kellen Mond and AM are, are so polarizing to SEC fans. And I don't mm-hmm. really understand why, because People just do not want to give that kid credit that, you know, he's going to be a disappointment. But I'll tell you what. He's See, I've, I've given him the benefit of the doubt since he threw for, like, 400 against Clemson. I, like, people people come at me because they're like, dude, he's so overrated. I'm like, that game to me, like, I'm, I'm like, he's a gamer, bro. Like, yeah. he is a gamer. That's what yeah. I feel like about him. I, I agree. And he's he's had his struggles for sure. Right. And I think he kind of regressed a little bit last year. But, but I'll tell you what, like, it's easy to sit here and say, from you know, like, you know, 30,000 feet, like, looking down this whole thing. I tell you what, he regressed. His numbers weren't as good as he they were as a sophomore. He's obviously overrated. He's not. He's not, you know the hype's not worth it. All that kind of stuff. At Clemson, Bama at home, at LSU, at at Georgia, and I'm I'm forgetting somebody that was also a top ten team. I don't know how, but I mean that schedule last year was ridiculous, yeah. and, and they don't have to face those teams again. So going seven and five with that schedule, it's like kind of what I said with with, with South Carolina last year to to an extent is where's the ceiling and where are your expectations and are they lining up? And I, and I think with, with Texas A&M, I think they're going to be a very good team. I, I've said before the season, and honestly, I don't know how I feel about it now because of the way the schedule set up, but I, I think going into November, Kellen Mond will be 
in position to be a Heisman finalist. And I'm not saying he will be by the time December rolls around, but especially before they added these games from the conference-only schedule, the the way that schedule lined up, they could easily have been 10-0 going into their last two games, which were LSU and Bama. I I think, again, year three of Jimbo, returning all of those starters, and then also having people around him with experience. He lost a couple of of go-to guys at receiver, but he also returns, you know, a lot of talent at the at the skill positions around him. And what no one's talking about, you think about how big this was a couple of years ago with, with Jay Sorensen, the, the tight end. The kid they have coming in, Baylor Cup, the, who's like the number one tight end in the country two years ago, he's coming off an injury. He is going – he was so missed last year, even as a true mm-hmm. freshman, who's so out for the entire <laughs> season. I think Kellen Mond, when you look at his body of work and being the only quarterback in the SEC to average 3,500 total yards – 30 touchdowns over two seasons. Most veteran quarterback, too. He's a veteran. Yeah, he, he is. Everyone Everyone wants to hit on him. He is already in the top 20 all-time in the SEC in total touchdowns, total passing yards, and I think um, maybe one more set. But I, I think Kellen Mond is going to be a lot better this year. And I, 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 I'm not up there with, with Reese Davis. I don't know what that is, top four <laughs> at all. I, I don't think they're going to win the SEC West, but I do think it's a team that's going to win eight games. Do you think – because I'm assuming you have Alabama winning the West, correct? Yes. Do you think they are their bigger biggest challenger, or would it come from Auburn or LSU? So that's also a good question. I I think I would I would say it's probably somebody like Auburn. That that mm. game against Auburn, they just they threw it in at the <laughs> very end of the season. That didn't do Auburn or A and M any favors because you know you get you get Bama early, and they usually play Bama pretty early in the season. Um, and it's it's one of those things. Ever since twenty twelve, where both teams I feel like kind of have you know that one circled a little bit. Um, Going into this, the way the schedule is now, um, they close the season, and I'm trying to think. I don't have it in front of me either, but I, they close the season. I know Bama plays Auburn in in their in like week ten, so like the second mm-hmm. to last game. The following week, Auburn plays A and M, and that is such a pivotal matchup to yeah. to figure out like how you know everything falls in place in the SEC West, and like in terms of standings. I again did not do either one of those teams any favors by putting it last. I, I think Auburn will be a little bit more of a I don't want to say a test, but a little bit a better barometer for where A and M is going to be um, this season. Because you know whether you like it or not, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm a fan fan. I, I I bring that up just so you know I always say it's like one of my many flaws, but I, I am I, I am as objective as possible with it. Those games against Bama haven't really been that close outside of the Manziel years. There was one a couple years ago that I think was an eight-point win or something like yeah. that. But, like, other than that, they, they haven't really ever been close in, in those games. And, and I think a team like Auburn, especially since it's on the road in, in Jordan-Hare, it's going to be a lot more difficult for, uh, for A&M. Yeah, just to, uh, just to compare, Alabama closed the season against Arkansas. So, I, I would <laughs> certainly so take that matchup over the, uh, the A&M matchup for sure. Um, and I, I will say this. I'm picking Alabama in the West as well. And people might go with, oh, it's boring. A&M. You don't get rich betting against Nick Saban in Alabama. A wise man once told me, you're not going to get rich betting against Alabama. So I'm going Alabama as well. Uh, about to move off the SEC West, but I'll ask you really quickly, two new head coaches, two new yeah. very intriguing head coaches with Leach at Mississippi State and Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Obviously, Ole Miss on South Carolina's schedule. Um, who, do you has, who do you think has more success in year one, Leach or Kiffin? In year one, I think it's going to be Ole Miss. Um, I, I think, just the way their schedule sets up. Um, and honestly, looking at Vegas, these win totals, like, you know, some of the best advice I've ever, ever received, uh, my dad, he said, um, you know, they didn't build these billion dollar hotels and casinos yeah. in the middle of the desert out of nothing. And, and yeah. so when you look at that and they're both, they're both their, their team win totals is only four. 
Mm-hmm. But when you look at like the actual odds and, and where like the juice is, I think it's even money for Ole Miss. It's like minus 115 for both. And you look at, at Mississippi State, for them to uh, cover four uh, wins this season, I think it's like plus 160. So the money's not in your favor. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that in year one, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, he's got a little bit more talent returning, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more in place, especially with what he likes to do on offense. Um, I think he will have a better, more consistent year one mm-hmm. in, in regards to what their expectations are at Ole Miss. I think, I think Mississippi State in year one is going to have a win like South Carolina had last year. I think they, they are, out of any team in the SEC, they are the most like, ripe that, like, mm-hmm. and, and poised to jump up and bite somebody when, when they're least expecting it. They, they, they get Georgia. They get Bama. Obviously, they get LSU and everyone else in the SEC West. Um, KJ Costello is a really good quarterback, and with that Mike Leach offense, we, we've seen it a thousand times. Like, he's, his record against top 25 teams, top 10 teams, is abysmal overall, but he always seems to get one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like every every couple of years or so. Hey, at, at LSU week one, never know. They're breaking in a whole <laughs> new team. You never know. Yeah, really. Um, mo- moving over to the East, I know we've talked about this before. Again, Florida, it seems like, has been the sexy pick all offseason. But now you look at the Gators' schedule, what they added. It, it does not do them any favors. It, it feels like the SEC was trying to almost throw the alley-oop up to Georgia-Alabama. I mean, when you see who Georgia added, <laughs> Arkansas-Mississippi They play State, each other. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, ridiculous. I, I, so, and I, I love, I love when people say that, and I get the sentiment. And this is something that we keep trying to harp on over and over and over again because, because first off, that's already built in. Okay? Right, right, right. Like right. everyone always would say, like, "Bama doesn't play anybody," all that kind of stuff. And I'll give you the best example out of this whole thing: 2000, 2016, Right, mm. Bama opens with USC. They beat them fifty-two to six. <laughs> USC finishes the year, wins the Rose Bowl, finishes number three in the country. Bama never plays anybody. They played them when they were yeah. unranked. Yeah. The following season, they open up with Florida State. Florida State's ranked number three in the country. It's the biggest preseason or biggest week one game of all time. They beats them 24-7, ruins Francois' life, and the rest of that season, they're, they're done. Florida State finishes the season unranked. You have a team that they beat when they were unranked that finished third, followed by, like literally sandwiched back-to-back, right. a team that was started ranked number, third, or number three and then finished unranked. And all we ever hear is, well, they don't play anybody. Right. So I, I think when you look at the picture as a whole, everyone wants to talk about how you know, the SEC kind of gave, you know, Bama some cupcakes and there's no marquee matchup because everyone wanted to see that Bama-Florida matchup. The highest ranked matchup in the SEC mm. for the entire season is Bama-Georgia. That's already on the schedule. Right, right. So when you look at it, the schedule as a whole, like who else, like, who else could they have added? And, mm. and I think – Well, no, and I, I agree. I think everybody's schedule is hard this year. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I'm someone – I can say this, and listen, Gamecock fans might not like that I'm saying this, but I'm even someone as a South Carolina fan that – Listen, we know the ACC sucks, but I get yeah. so tired of hearing about Clemson's schedule. It's like, bro, they are a good football team. Yeah. Like, I don't care who they play. They're really, really, really good. I had a buddy of mine the other day, and again, I hate Clemson with every fiber of my being, but he was trying to justify even if Clemson goes undefeated, they shouldn't be in the college ball playoff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on. You, I mean, look at the players on their roster. Like, you, yeah, man. you have uh, to that's... be able to look. You have to be able to look a little bit deeper. So, I mean – yeah, I hate Georgia, so that's probably why I'm saying that. But, I, you know, I agree with you. Everybody's schedule. I mean, you're pretty much playing everybody in the conference anyway. Right. Like I mean, you, there's, there's 13 possible games you can hide. You can't hide this year. Right. Yeah, you there's, can't there's hide this year. 13 possible teams you could play, and you're playing 10 of them. And, and I tell yeah, you what, I mean, like, this is – people don't want to hear this, but I just I, – I, I'm right about this, and I don't care how that sounds. <laughs> people don't want to see Bama play somebody. They yeah. want to see Alabama lose. And yeah. that's just like – once we can all start admitting that, I think, yeah. you know, it, there is something to be said for – I said the SEC would do this early on. Like, as soon as I heard the rumors about Bama, Florida, I was like, there's no way the SEC is going to make their road to the college football playoff more difficult, especially in a year like this, by putting 
two of their contenders in an unnecessary game against each other. Like, there's just no way they would do that. And, and you know, the Big Ten did the exact same thing, and, and I, I get it because, again, like the bottom line is money and get people to the playoff. Um, either way, we're going to have an incredible season for football. I think when you look at Florida, um, you know, and, and I, I will say that I know Florida was kind of at the forefront of, of, of why that schedule took so long to come out because they were not happy with the possibility of playing someone like Alabama. Mm. Florida's schedule – I wasn't really buying into Florida before that happened just because listen, what Dan Mullen's done the first two seasons, I don't know why we're not talking about it enough. Mm-hmm. He's had oh, 21 yeah. wins, two New Year's six bowl games. Um, I mean, 21 wins in two seasons. That's, that's an incredible. It, mm-hmm. It's just incredible, especially with what he inherited uh, from Jim McElwain, Florida to me, I, I love what Kyle Trask was able to do as a game manager, the, like the year before mm-hmm. um, they have a lot of talent returning. They got a couple of new guys at receiver. I think that are really going to really impress uh, and be some of, some of the elite receivers in the entire conference about the country. I don't see how they beat Georgia. And and I know, and I'm not just saying that because well, it's been three years. Georgia fans love to bring that up on social media. I, like Georgia lost 21, 21 of 30 games to Florida in a 30 year stretch in my lifetime. And they, <laughs> they won three in a row. And it's like, yeah, all of a sudden. Can't beat us, bro. Uh, can't beat Kirby. <laughs> all of a sudden. But I will say, yeah, right? So I will say, I, I think you the, you still have to get by Georgia to win this this division. Um, I, I honestly think South Carolina has a, has a really good chance. I wish that game was not being played in, in the swamp. I wish it was being played in, in Williams-Brice. But I think South Carolina has a really good chance to upset a team like Florida and, and maybe sneak in to finish in second or third in that division. I, I hate to be bland and I hate to have like the same predictions as everyone else, but that Georgia defense, I think, is going to be the best yeah. defense that we've seen in college football in the past decade. And, and statistically speaking, if they don't give up 20 points, like, and, I, and I'm looking at that schedule, they do play Bama, who has a, a very high-powered offense. Mm-hmm. Who else scores 20 to 25 points on that team? Yeah, I mean, it, it, took, it took a defensive pick six and a couple of fortuitous bounces for everything for South Carolina to hit 20 last year against Georgia. So, I mean, right. when you think about that, for sure. No, I mean, listen, like I said, it's the boring pick, but listen, I think Georgia and Bama are in a league of their own, so that's who I'm picking. I'll tell you this. I think, actually, I've got Georgia winning the SEC. Yeah. I, can't, I can't believe I'm saying that because it's one of those things where I'm like, you feel like until Georgia – and listen, I mean, Nick Saban's never lost an assistant. That's a thing people love to bring up. It's, so it's like it's almost like until it happens, why would you pick it? But it's like you're saying, man, like if that Georgia offense clicks with they've got Jamie Newman and JT Daniels to pick from. And George and like, Pickens. Yeah, and you're like saying, and that defense is going to be unbelievable. I mean, you know, if, if it doesn't happen this year, I don't know that it ever will. I mean, that's kind of the way I look at it. That's, and that's fair, I think. I think um, I, I said this last year. Uh, I picked Georgia to beat Bama at the beginning of last season. I, I, I said at the beginning of last year I didn't think they would win the national championship because I thought Clemson was too good. Mm-hmm. But I thought that in 2020, Georgia would win the national championship. And I, like, it felt like it was coming. I, I think losing nine starters on offense is difficult. It, right. I mean, it's very difficult. And, you, have, you know, the, the biggest issue, and people just love to, to hate on Saban about this, is the, the continuity as a staff. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest kind of thing that Kirby Smart's going to have to manage as, as, a, as a coach because – it's tough to replace an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. And then those assistants and, and the, those guys that are also good recruiters and all that kind of stuff. And like losing a guy like Sam Pittman on top of losing nine starters. But mm. Jake Fromm is, I mean, I don't know how PC we have to be on this show, but like he no, is go ahead, go ahead. the most <laughs> underwhelming fucking quarterback I've seen in the SEC, <laughs> like a hand job on a honeymoon, like level of underwhelming. It is unbelievable how, how mediocre he was. Um, I just, 
you know, I think I think anybody they bring in, either of these guys is an upgrade from Jake Fromm. And he, mm, listen, yeah. he took that team to a national championship. But if you are somebody that is – I don't think he should have lost his job to Justin Fields. Mm. But if you're a Georgia fan and you look at Justin Fields being a Heisman yeah, finalist, well, throwing 40 touchdowns yeah. and one interception, and then you look <laughs> at what you had, this balding 20-year-old who's – throwing out racial epithets on Twitter apparently now. It's like going almost undrafted by the Bills. <laughs> I just – I think that they're going to have an upgrade there. And and I, I said this about Bama. This is when you can kind of start seeing, like, things change when Saban first got to, to, to Tuscaloosa. It's exactly what's happening in Athens is you're, you're not only getting these five-star guys, these four-star guys, and it's obviously made a difference, right? Like, right. Georgia's starting out in the top five in the preseason poll for the third straight year under Kirby Smart. Before he got there, they'd only done that three times in their program history. Right. So he's, he's been able to bring in a lot of, a lot of elite recruits and elite talent. And it's obviously showed, especially on defense where he, like he has his hand over that defense all the time and they've been lights out. They've been absolutely lights out. They gave up two rushing touchdowns all last year, neither one of them to a running back. And, and, mm. they, and they didn't give up one <clears throat> until November when they played all So crazy. I, I think that when you look at JT Daniels, or I'd say he's the starter. I think Newman mm. will be, but Daniels as a five-star quarterback, throwing to the number one receiver coming out of high school, George Pickens, and then handing off to the number one running back in the country, Zamir White, coming out of high school. And he's being blocked for on his blind side by the number one offensive tackle. And, like, just five stars everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and yeah. you look at the other side of that on defense, and you're like, this defensive end was the number one JUCO player in the country. Yeah. The other guy was the number one high school player in the country. I mean, they had five kids that were not just the number one player at their position, but the number one player in their state as well to, to – uh, recruiting cycles ago it's just it what he's doing it's gonna pay off I don't know if it's this year because Bama is Bama is gonna be I think scary again and mm. I, I think they're gonna they, they return nine of ten coaches which I think is a huge huge deal and when you look at that defense what happened last year I know what happened against Auburn I know what happened against LSU man they had six starters out going to the last last game and I, I think if they can stay healthy they could beat Georgia but I wouldn't bet on Bama beating Georgia twice. I, I, I like that pick. Let, let's move into South Carolina, Marler. Again, we're talking SEC East, but let's talk about the Gamecocks, obviously, because I know everybody's very intrigued to get your take on it. I, I put out a graphic, actually, today, and my thoughts on the season. Listen, we all know the lead storyline, you can't get around it, is Will Muschamp. And how does the pandemic affect his job status and a lot of coaches that are on the hot seat? I don't know. But either way, what I tell people – even if he, you know, whatever, even the pandemic affects everything, this is a pivotal year. It's a pivotal year just showing for the, the state of the program, the progress the program is making. I put out a graphic on social media today, and basically just a quote from my own show, Humble Brag, um, that five and five to me, that's the minimum expectation. And I think that's what going 500 or better, even with this schedule, even losing Marshawn Lloyd, which it, it, oh. you might have to be a South Carolina fan, just a college football fan is devastating. That um, sucks. From Delaware. But, yeah, for, yeah, from but with the talent South Carolina has in this roster, and if you look, if you look at their recruiting classes, they've recruited at pretty much a top twenty clip the last five, six years, whatever. I think that five hundred needs to be the minimum expectation. I don't think you can call this year success if you have have a losing record. Do you think that is a fair analysis? Again, I know you lose Marshawn Lloyd. There's tons of questions on offense. You're breaking yeah. in Mike Bobo, but. I just truly do believe that in year five, that, that should be the expectation, at least five and five or better. Man, I just don't know why you hate South Carolina so much and why you want them to lose. I just – I don't get it. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I <laughs> I'm definitely – yeah, cause, because them going 10-0 and 0 would make my life much harder. Yeah, uh, for real. Um, no, I mean, I'm obviously kidding when I said it. I, I think that's – I think that is where 
the expectation should be. And I, I tell you what, this is always kind of like a double-edged sword for me because, and I, I hate to keep saying this, but this is just, this is just where I come from in terms of like, you know, being a fan. Like I, I, I sat through the shitty Bama years with all the mics with mm. Dubose and Shula and, and mm. Price for a minute and all that kind of stuff. And, and like, there has to be a reasonable expectation like, like set. And like going into last season, when you looked at that schedule, I mean, that was daunting as daunting as, as, as it could get. And, and I think what Will Muschamp didn't do a really good job of on, on, on a whole is winning the games he, he has to win and, and mm-hmm. taking care of business. Like it's, it's awesome. They beat Georgia. It's, I mean, an incredible, incredible upset. Mm-hmm. Do people, are people going to remember that in the same way if they would have, if, Carolina finished seven and six or and went to a bowl game or seven and five, you know, if, if they wouldn't have lost UNC and App State and, and all that kind of stuff, like in a season where he broke a five-year streak to Kentucky and, and upset Georgia, the number three team in the country, we're still asking questions about his job. And I think it's fair. I really do. I, the, the way the pandemic is going to affect it. I talked about this, I talked to you about this a couple of times off air. It, I hate it. I hate it for the fans. Cause it's like, you're in this weird wait and like this weird purgatory of yeah. of what you're allowed to think like because because yeah there there should be an excuse almost like made up it's gonna be way more difficult to to have a good year on a year where he was gonna be on the hot seat for sure does that mean that we have to accept like you know going right. I, I saw you put out the other yesterday them going one and four do we have to accept going start the season mm-hmm. one and four like and like i think what he's been able to do on the recruiting trail has been awesome. And I think they're going to have a, a one of the best and most improved defenses in the SEC. Yeah, I agree. But, man, if, if you can't beat Kentucky – that week one, week one, if you Tennessee, can't yeah, beat I, Tennessee – I said that's the most important game of the season. It will set the tone for everything else that happens. I agree. I mean, Absolutely. I agree. Like, like if you're uh, – in my opinion, if you're going to get – not to cut you off, but if you're going to get to five wins or more, that's that's one of them you got to win. You have, you have to. to. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. And to. I think that, that kind of stuff is – there's a lot that he his feet are kind of held to the fire and, and he's had a you know a, a tough run of it and following following Steve Spurrier at South Carolina is is no yeah. easy easy feat but at the same time man you, you still have to hold him accountable because if, if you are it's unacceptable for South Carolina to lose five straight years to Kentucky yeah and, and it just I think that he has to find a way to win those games like you, you can't you can't find yourself behind your in-state rival Clemson, because they separated themselves so quickly. I remember like yesterday when they won five in a row <laughs> and Spurrier's up on stage with Kenny Chesney yeah. or whatever, the Colonial Life Center, <laughs> doing all this, talking shit to all the Clemson fans. And now, you know, I, I think they've, they've separated themselves, Florida, and, and so has so has Georgia. They have to find a way to win early and get mm. that mindset. And I think that kind of culture is what he has to start really changing in South Carolina is, is this whole thing about mediocrity and, and like, it's okay if we are only five and five, that's where it's got to change. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And it's like you were saying, just looking back at last year, I mean, you beat Georgia, but you lose to UNC and App State. I mean, App State, I I give credit to all them, give all the credit to the Mountaineers, but you lost to App State at home on senior night. That's the one. It's like, I I can't get past that. Um, Like you said, I've got South Carolina starting out one and four, obviously with this show coming out, I'm giving half my predict or giving out, my predictions for the second half of the season. So, Marla, I've got South Carolina three and seven for my prediction. Listen, I and a little bit of it is because I picked South Carolina to go seven and five last year, and it's one of those things where I'd rather be wrong on the other side. So, you know, I'd rather I'd rather be wrong and South Carolina win five five or more games than pick this team to go six and four and underachieve. If that makes yeah. sense. I mean, just gun to head. I know you may not even have it pulled up in front of you. Like, what what's what's your thoughts on this sketch? Because again. 
I, what I talked about with those first five, because of course there were there were fans upset at that. You know, there are fans that were not happy about that prediction. They're not going to be be happy about these predictions at all. But South Carolina could be a pretty decent team in those first five, and it's a gauntlet. I mean, Tennessee at home, that's a swing game. But at Florida in the Swamp, Auburn is a really good team. At LSU, I mean, come on. And you go through Texas A&M, who you haven't beaten. You've lost to them six times in a row. And I'll tell you this, Marler, I I almost liked the old schedule more because I think it gave South Carolina, you know, breaking in a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo. Hell, you might have – I'm one that honestly thinks – I feel like the longer this quarterback battle goes on, I think there's a great chance Colin Hill is your starter. Like, I yeah. really, really do. I think that's a there's a very good possibility of that happening. Now you lose Marshawn Lloyd. So it's already an offense without a ton of playmakers. You lose him as well. You're going to be breaking in this offense. There's going to be some sort of an adjustment period early on in the season. You're going to have to lean on, on your defense. And I think they'll be very good. But, again, what I liked about their old schedule was you had a couple of weeks, you know, with Coastal and then ECU and then Missouri, who's breaking in a brand-new head coach. You know, you could have started 3-0, and and you probably yeah. should have started 3-0. Now with this schedule, though, what I hate, Marler, is you've got at Ole Miss late in the year after Lane Kiffin's had time to get the thing going. You've got Missouri late in the year, who, by the way, Missouri's head coach, Eli Drinkwitz, he beat you with App State last year. Right. You don't think he's got better talent at Missouri? So, I mean, even I'm picking those games as wins, and they terrify me. And then you've got Georgia, who, listen – that upset was awesome last year. I mean, one of the best up, – I'd say the biggest upset win in school history. Georgia's going to be on a mission. It's the second to last week of the season. They're going to know what's at stake. There's no way you're beating them again, in my opinion. I just – maybe it'll be a close game, but I think Georgia will come in for revenge, and I think they'll get it. And then at Kentucky, Marlon, I don't know if you've ever sat down and looked at the history of that South Carolina – maybe you are just bored on <laughs> no, a rainy day and looked at <laughs> South Carolina Kentucky football results going back to the 90s. But Those are my favorite bedtime stories. Oh, yeah. for sure. But if you look back, every time South Carolina's played in Lexington, even when South Carolina's beaten Kentucky every year, those games have come down to the yeah. wire. And listen, right now, if you, you took right now, you t- asked Vegas, Kentucky's no doubt, undoubtedly favored in that game. And they're more than likely going to be favored – you know, in that game when you play them in Lexington. So, I mean, the way the schedule sets up, it stinks. Like I said, I I like the old schedule before. But, listen, I've got three and seven, and and that's not going to make many fans very happy. I would be upset. And, again, I I say that and also saying the minimum expectation. I see a path to five wins. I see a path to six wins, possibly. What's your overall take in? I've got three and seven for the record. I mean, gun to head, what, what are you thinking for this team? I, so Vegas has it three and a half. I think the latest, and I think I that's saw. the perfect number. I, I yeah, really do. I mean, I think it's right so on. I I like South Carolina a little bit better, and I, I, like than than I think you might. And, and you obviously are like a, a realistic fan a lot of times, and like um, I wouldn't say pessimistic. I would say realistic. I, I tell you what, when you look at the beginning of this schedule, I, I you're spot on with saying what like it would have done them this team so much more. Yeah. It would it would have made. I think the season's so much easier, like the transition with the new coaches and quarterback and all that kind of stuff, so much easier if you did have that start where you go 3-0. Build um, some confidence, you know what I mean? Get yeah, things rolling, yeah. Exactly. So um, I think I think there's a lot to be said for that. That being, that also being said, you're not going to beat LSU in my opinion. I, yeah. I don't think you're going to beat Florida on the road. Mm-hmm. Vandy, Tennessee, and Auburn are all very winnable games. I think that for whatever reason, people are looking at this Auburn team. I've seen it all offseason, and this is not because I'm a Bama fan. I, I, think, I think Bo Nix is obviously going to take some steps forward. But they lost not just important starters on defense. They lost seven or eight stars on defense overall. 
they lost generational type talent on the defensive line that is irreplaceable. Like Derek Brown's not coming back. Marlon Davidson's not coming back. Yeah. They lost three of four in the secondary, including a, a, a first rounder at cornerback. Auburn is a, that's a very mm-hmm. winnable game. That's mm-hmm. a very winnable game at home, especially. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm trying to look, look at it right now. As I say it, they have Arkansas before, so it's not like you're going to catch them, you know, really napping them right, or anything right. like that. But um, I do think that that's a winnable game. And if you mm-hmm. can somehow get, that first half of the season, I think they'll have at least two wins. I think they'll mm-hmm. knock off Auburn or they'll knock off Tennessee in week one. They knock off Tennessee, they could easily be three and two. And, and I think mm-hmm. when you look at the back half of that schedule, you know, I, I hope this isn't really – I don't think this is a hot take. You're not, I don't think you're going to beat A&M, and I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to beat Georgia on the road. Right. Every one of those other games is a winnable game. Uh, I'm sorry, I know the Georgia game's uh, at home, and so is A&M. But Mark Stoops, I don't think this is a hot take. Mark Stoops is a better coach than Will Muschamp. Yeah, just and, that, and you know what's funny about that? Because I said that this offseason. Literally, the quote was, and it's probably the way I worded it, I said, Mark Stoops is everything Will Muschamp is not. So you can imagine people took that really well. But I agree with you. It, he, to me, Mark Stoops, they're the opposite in the sense Mark Stoops does more with less and yeah. Will Muschamp does less with more. Look at the recruiting classes. You can't argue any differently. We had, we had uh, Stoops on the podcast – well, this year and, and the year before, and, and especially going into last season, I remember we were talking to him, and, and he got super fired up. He's an awesome dude. Awesome dude. We love Coach Stoops um, and what he's able to do at Kentucky because that's a, that's a program that's had a ceiling over their head for their entire existence, right? Mm-hmm. And a proud fan base, all that kind of stuff. But he has gone just under the radar. with, with it's, it's incredible what he's been able to do at a place like Kentucky – it's not just because of, you know, that like they're over in the shadows of the basketball program, whatever. It's because mm-hmm. of the recruiting. Like, that's yeah. not really outside of Youngstown and in parts of Ohio, there's not like a little fertile recruiting bed, you know, to go <laughs> right. pick up talent or anything like that. Mark Stoops said at the beginning of the last season, we were like, you know, you got to replace Josh Allen and so and so and Benny Snell. And he got so pissed and was like, he's like, you know what? You guys didn't even know who those players were going into last season. And no one did. And nobody's bringing it up. And so now all of a sudden you're like, well, how are you going to replace them? You guys don't, didn't know the names of them the year before. You don't know the names of the guys we have now. Like, he's like, I like our guys. I, I like where we're headed. I, I think that that game is, if it comes down to winning to get into a bowl, I, I think Kentucky is a lot better than people think. Like I said earlier in the broadcast, like, you know, I think that South Carolina could sneak up into that top two or three with Kentucky. Like, I, I, think, I think that right. they have a really good chance of upsetting a lot of teams and, and, and really, like, surprising some people. I, I think they lose that game. I think they lose Georgia, but I think they can get to five wins, right? right. I, I think that they can – if they can have the two definite wins, when I said Tennessee and Vandy or Auburn and Vandy, and maybe an upset early on, and then you have, like, the latter half of the season when you have Bazoo and Ole Miss, those are very winnable games. Like, mm-hmm. I just – Ole Miss is not – they're not world beaters. Right, right. South no, Carolina for sure, be a for sure. Team. And I, I, I've got that one as a win because, I, I mean – Yeah. Yeah, I've got that one as a win. So I, I love the over. I love them getting to at least four wins, at, mm-hmm. at least. But I think this is a team, especially if they can figure out a way to win, just beat Auburn or Kentucky, they, they, there's a very good chance they can get to, to five wins and, and I guess be bowl eligible. I don't even know how it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows with the bowl says. I, I'll tell you this. You already touched on the defense, and I agree with you. I, I think the South Carolina defense should be by far Will Muschamp's best. I think it should mm-hmm. be a top half of the league defense. I don't think that's asking for too much at all. To me, and the reason that I picked South Carolina to start one and four, you, you look, I put scores in there as well because I agree with you on Auburn. I picked that as a 17-16 game, mm-hmm. Auburn. Went. Like, I think it's going to be – and a lot of people are like, wow, why – like, I don't know. Like, I just don't view Auburn as world beaters. I know that will be They're to not. the satisfaction of you. I just 
when I look at them, Auburn's such a weird team. Like, I just feel like – like, how Gus Malzahn's still employed, I have no idea. <laughs> he's a good um, coach. No, he I mean, he is a good coach, but it's like – he's like on the hot seat every other year. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's crazy with him. But the big thing to me for South Carolina will be offensively. And, and I put mm-hmm. out this poll to fans. Over under 20 is my number. Do you think the Gamecocks average over under 20 points per game? And over, I know that. That is so listen, I know that sounds crazy. Dude, they averaged 22 last year. It averaged 22. Different. I understand. I understand. But you lose Marshawn. Look, I'm just not seeing playmakers, man. I mean, you have question marks all Shy over Smith. the field. He's you never been. A, I, listen, I, I mean, I like Shy Smith. I think he has a lot of ability, but he's not a proven commodity in his own right. You know, I have right. fans asking me, you know, oh, why, why is Shy Smith not second or third team all SEC? He's never caught for over 500 yards in a season. I, right. I mean, you, you can't just give a guy like that the benefit of the doubt. And then you lose Marshawn Lloyd. And listen, I think there are a lot of other serviceable backs, capable backs in your backfield. You thankfully have depth there, but you only had one Marshawn Lloyd, in my opinion. He was going to be the bell cow. He was going to be the center of the offense. But I, I want to ask you more about See, Mike I don't Bobo. know about all that. I, See, I, I hate to disagree. You, you probably know no, more I, about it than me. No, that's like, fine. He's a, it's a true freshman coming in. For sure, like, for sure. I was putting you know, a lot on him. I was putting yeah. a lot on him, no doubt. Yeah. So I think that I, – I get what you're saying. I hate that they lost him. But the good news of that is, like, you know – it, you're not replacing someone that you counted on. That's a proven veteran. And, right, and had right. like, yeah, exactly. So I think that, um, you know, the quarterback situation is going to be interesting. The way Muschamp handles the quarterback situation is, I think, going to be the key to having any kind yeah. of offensive success. I, the 20 points is way too low. I, I just way too low. Bobo, he'll get it done. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a, the upgrade they have at offensive coordinator is cannot stress it enough right. how, how much better and smoother and more efficient and, 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 well-tuned that entire team and staff is going to be under Mike Bobo instead of McClendon. It, it's it's going to be night and day. It's going to be night and day. But I tell you what, if, if, if they handle this quarterback situation with any kind of dispute where it's like, well, Bobo wants his guy that he brought with him from Colorado right. State and every, the fans want Holinsky or Doty or, or, or whatever. Um, I think Holinsky should be the guy. I think they should ride with him. I think it, there's few people that have rallied an entire fan base around them. Mm-hmm. Like that, it, it, that doesn't mean he's going to necessarily get it done on the field. But I saw, we saw so many glimpses last year of how talented that kid can be. Mm-hmm. He can't do what Chad Morris did last year at Arkansas, where it's like you're just constantly rotating quarterbacks. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. you got to pick one guy. You got to pick one guy. And I think that, and that that doesn't mean like if, if things are going wrong early on, you don't make the switch. But at the same time, like you, you Muschamp has to make decisions that are not always going to be popular. But he's got to he's got to just put his foot down, make a decision, and go with it. Because what's going to hurt him and this team even more than like what we saw last season is if there's any kind of indecisiveness, and, and we see that translating and spilling over into the field. Yeah, and I mean, you have to think he's going to make those best decisions. Because listen, I mean, I, I don't think he wants to get fired. I certainly wouldn't think that. So I mean, they all they all under, yeah they, they all understand how important it is. I, I'll ask you, Marla, because this just came to my head and it's kind of a funny thing. Do you think I'm too tough on South Carolina? I, I mean, oh man. Dude, and here, here's my big thing. I just – I agree with you. Again, I'm saying this because fans love to say that I'm being negative. Like I said, I think there is a real path to five yeah. wins, six wins. Like, I really – I really think that's there. I just simply don't trust Will Muschamp. And those toss-up – because I think this season comes down to those toss-up games. And you know what's funny is if you look at my predictions, I, I've picked it pretty, like, by the book in the sense I picked the three games South Carolina will probably be favored in, and I picked yeah. them to lose the seven games – that they're going to be underdogs. I know the season's not going to play out that way. It's going to be probably madness, but I just don't yeah. trust that South Carolina, like you were saying last year, will win the games it's supposed to win, 
and then add it and then win enough swing games to get to five or six wins. Call me negative. Call they me pessimistic. I, I just don't trust it. That's, I mean, that's fair. You, I mean, you do sound like a jaded ex-girlfriend uh, constantly. <laughs> just like you're never – just so embittered. Um, no, blame, I, I hey, blame, say, blame Steve Spurrier. That's what I'll tell Hey, blame I – got, I got a taste of it. I want the whole thing now. I, Dude, he is – I said this before. He is the best and worst thing that's ever happened in that, 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 that program. That's a good point. It's a good like, point. You know, he had three straight seasons of 11 or more wins, which there's only three programs in the entire country. I think it was three, maybe even four, mm-hmm. that were able to do that during that span, that span which was Stanford, Bama, South Carolina, maybe Oregon. Mm-hmm. But regardless, like, they've only had nine – they've only had four total – seasons with nine or more wins. Yeah. I thought it was five. I've been saying that stat for two years and it was four. Like, and, and I'm not saying that to like, you know, shit on South Carolina or anything like that. I, I don't think, well, yeah, I, I think you're too tough on South Carolina sometimes. I, I really do. I, it, it's not because I, I respect what you do and you know, I love you. Like, and I love like, like you bring so much research and, and like not effort. That's not what I'm trying to say, but like you put the work in, you know what I mean? Like you, you know, it's not like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just like, well, you're not like a fine bomb caller. It's like we're we're gonna lose. Everything sucks, Paul. Well, and, and I'm only I'm only asking that you that because I know that in this in this conversation I've been tough on them, and I'm 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 not trying to kick kick somebody while they're down. I, right. I really want to be proven wrong. You know what I mean? I think again the way you've recruited, and to me it's more like there's just no excuse. There's no yeah. excuse. It should happen. Go out and show me. You know, la- nobody again. It's nobody is questioning. Last year's UNC game just broke me, and in the sense of. I did not know there was a level of incompetence to get your team ready to play for eight months. Go out, you look unmotivated, not yeah. ready to go. So, you know, whatever. Um, I, I will say real quick on that. Like, I think there's there's a difference between being like un like like being like tough on them, and also like like you still pull for South Carolina every week. Oh, of like, course. You know what I mean, yeah, like, it's, I think um, for me, like like when Bama was terrible, right? For whatever reason, this is probably just because I'm like sick in the head and and just you know unhealthy in a lot of ways. But like every I, all week, I was like, "This there's no way we can beat this team." But then like as it got closer to game day, it was like I, honestly, it's probably probably the opposite. All week, I was just telling myself like, "We're gonna win." Like we're mm. I tell you what, all these two and three stars Bama's recruited over the past three years, <laughs> Marcus Carter, like all these other guys, like they're John Parker, Wilson, man, we're gonna we're gonna shock the world. And then every Saturday, I would usually be disappointed. I, I think. There's there's like a level of excitement I think that the South Carolina fans feel so beaten down because mm-hmm. of what's happening at Clemson. Clemson fans are are awful. They're, they are. They're, they're, yeah, insufferable. They never used to be. Insufferable. Until, they're insufferable, and it's just it's crazy to me um, how bad they become. But at the same time, I think that there's a lot there's a lot out there for this South Carolina team to get. I think that the fan base can understand where the expectation should be because, because I tell you what, I sat next to a guy at the Bama game, Bama South Carolina game last year. That was the worst. It was like, like there's, there's gotta be a happy medium of like, I'm not saying this in a bad way of view, right, 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 right. but like the pessimistic side was like, well, I think we're only going to go three and seven versus the guy that is like, we be, we should be 10 and zero, yeah. And you know, if, if there wasn't that phantom holding call on the fake field goal, Bam, like we would have won this game. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. That seems like dude. To so that point, to that point, that. I posted a clip on my countdown to kickoff from the South Carolina Alabama game last year, and the amount of com and shout out to these people. I don't care, but the amount of comments I've gotten that South Carolina should have won that game are <laughs> baffling. I mean, I'm just like, you realize we lost by 24. Like and not you scored four, the 20. twenty. You scored the last touchdown with fifteen seconds ago to go because I bet spread. on the over because it's twenty four <laughs> and a half. I was so fucking mad. Oh my god! I, I was. We're sitting there in the stadium, and you know that Williams Bryce, Williams Bryce is is just a sunburn waiting yeah. to happen every single time. 
And it's the hottest, Columbia's the hottest place on earth. And I just remember sitting there and I was like, no way they're going to call this, this phantom, you know, roughing the passer penalty on fourth down. And they did. And then I was like, there's surely, surely my luck's not that bad that they're going to score a touchdown right, just right at the seam. God, yeah. Yeah, well, and I want to speak to your point really quickly, though, and again, inject some optimism because, again, I've been tough on in this conversation. Like I said, I fully believe there's a path to five, six wins. I mean, dude, I, I'd be even willing to say if South Carolina had a different coach, I'd be picking six and four, to be honest with you. Either way, I have to throw that in there. But, no, I think there's a path to five, six wins. I think you can show enough progress in year five. If, the key is Mike Bobo. That's the key. The mm-hmm. key is, is he if he's the guy and this offense clicks, I, I certainly think your defense is good enough. No question. but. What I want to speak to is, like you were saying, the yearly expectations. Because I'm someone – I think my expectations of what the program could be and should be are fair. Like, I think – and I talked with Barrett Salee about this last year or two years ago. I think South Carolina can realistically, when you look at the facilities, the fan base, the talent pool, the, you know, the revenue you're getting from being in the SEC, you're mm-hmm. in the best conference in the country. I think that South Carolina can realistically be a eight- to nine-win-a-year program. And every – Two, three, maybe four years, but probably two, three years, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, you have a, a veteran-led team, or you have the right quarterback, you have the right schedule, or it just clicks. Right. And you compete, you really compete for an SEC East, or you win an SEC East and get to Atlanta. Like, I, I think that is attainable. I re- and that's, that's why, again, I'm so hard on Muschamp. And, we'll, again, we'll see what happens this year. I think if they get to 500 or better, you're back on track. Because, again, you're, you're – you're getting more five stars than you ever had in, yeah. in your history. I mean, kudos to Muschamp for that staff for doing that. But I think that is realistic, and that's why I'm so hard on it because, again, just getting to a bowl can't be good enough. Like, I think this program just has too much to offer to settle for that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think the biggest thing is, again, like the realistic standpoint, I, I don't think that you're going to get those you're – not, you're not going to get the Spurrier years again. Just, right, right, not right. Happen. I don't so think, I think you're going to have three straight 11 win you. And yeah, right. I, I think asking for that is is much. It's a little much. Yeah. I agree. And I think when you when you look at that too, and I'm I'm not trying to hate on what Spurrier did because it was incredible, but like, what was the what was the big? I mean, 11 wins in the season's cool, right? But what did they win? Right. Like, didn't go yeah. to New Outback York's Bowl. Goals. They didn't go to BCN. Yeah, they went to they yeah. won an Outback Bowl. You know what I mean? So it's like like when you look at those those three years. The coolest part is the 35-7 win over Georgia in 2012 and then probably Clowney's hit. And that's like – but other than that, like, I, I think the stuff that Muschamp can achieve, like real attainable goals that he can achieve, are potentially bigger than what – like, I mean, like, if Muschamp took this team to an Outback Bowl, would people care? I mean, I, I think that'd be a good achievement. I mean, you know, again, you just need to the get back on that. That's like need, it's like the end yeah. of the world. Well, I mean, you won 11 games. I mean, that's yeah. the difference. I mean, you didn't – I mean, listen, you won in year two – credit to those guys. You won in year two of a Muschamp. You went to the Outback Bowl and beat the same Michigan team, and mm-hmm. you won nine games. But, you know, and fans will hate me for this. If it, The farther we get away from it, it feels like a lot of smoke and mirrors that year. Yeah. You led the SEC in turnover more. I remember talking to uh, – to, uh, God, in the bleachers. My, Michael uh, – Oh, what's his name? In the bleachers. Works for Stadium. Whatever. Anyways. I know, yeah. Yeah. And talking to him, and he was basically saying the following year, saying that, you know, turnovers are a lot of times their luck. Like, you have to be in the yeah. right place, right time. You, you know, it's not to take anything away because you practice for those opportunities. I, I really do believe that really good teams create their own luck. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I'll ask you this. What's your biggest piece of optimism for this season? I, I think if you beat Tennessee, it completely changes the outlook of the season. But, uh why South Carolina fans should be excited for, for this year? Um, I think it's the defense. I think, I think the defense is going to be one of the best. Um, 
in the SEC. I think it's going to be one of the most improved in the SEC. I think that and then and the Ryan Holinsky at quarterback, I think what he's going to be able to do in the next three to four years, as or maybe five now, the way the NCAA is, mm-hmm. um, I think what he's going to be able to do in, in the, the kind of legend he's going to create for himself at that school is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I'm excited for a healthy Holinsky, that defense, like you said. Last question before I get you out of here, Marler. As of now, no Big Ten, no Pac-12, three SEC teams in the playoff? I, I mean, is that a given at this point? No, I don't think it's going to be a given. I think they'll have <laughs> – I think they'll probably have – uh, two for sure. Uh, I think they'll, they'll probably have two, but I, I don't think they'll have three. You're going to definitely have someone from the ACC, and I think they'll definitely have somebody from the Big 12 as well. Chris Marler, Saturday Down South. Keep fingers crossed for football, man. So Yeah, man. We'll do it again. Perfect. He's Chris Marler. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.